Hi there, and welcome back to the SMB Cybercast podcast, where it's all about helping small and medium enterprises and IT professionals learn cybersecurity, improve their defenses, and prevent breaches. If you want to take the security of your organization to the next level, then this is the right place for you. Welcome, and thanks for listening. This show is sponsored by CyberX. CyberX is a cybersecurity agency that specializes in the needs of small and medium enterprises. We believe that everyone is at the risk of attack these days, and that's obvious from the increase in attacks across the board. So if your company needs help with compliance, security, managed security operations, penetration testing, vulnerability management, or any other security need, feel free to reach out to us. You can send us a message at cyberx.tech slash contact. That's cyberx.tech slash contact. All right, let's get back to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Uh, we have another amazing guest for you today. We have one of our acquaintances, Angela Hill. Um, Angela Hill has a background in uh, intelligence and OSINT and human. Um, and she really brings a unique perspective to the table for us today. Um, we talk a lot about SMBs, of course, that's what we're focused on. Um, and she has a unique perspective on why SMBs are targets. Um, so often we hear SMBs um, give excuses or reasons like, I don't have anything valuable, um, I'm too small. And from her experience uh, working for the government, the CIA, um, she, she understands why attackers value that information. Um, and she's going to share some of that with us today. Um, she is currently the security practice manager for a uh, managed security service provider um, in the U.S. Um, and she's involved in several organizations, um, empowering women in tech, um, um, advocates for veterans. Um, and she has a lot of great experience and perspective. And we are super excited to have you here, Angela. Thank you. Um, I'm honored to be here and a part of the podcast today and to share some of my knowledge. So I really appreciate you having me on. Well, we're super excited you took the time to come. Um, we think it's going to be super beneficial and lots of um, useful information for our listeners. Definitely. I, I hope I can share and, and provide some insight. So if you don't mind, um, just so our listeners understand where we're coming from, can you explain sort of maybe your background and your perspective coming into security? Yeah, 100%. So um, I actually <clears throat> don't have a typical background in technology, but roundabout way have been exposed to technology and large information systems my whole career. Um, I grew up in Michigan and I um, entered the Navy about in 2003 after 9-11 um, and of course, at that time, the world was kind of in this upheaval. And I think it was a really beneficial time for myself to join the intelligence community. I, I ended up specializing in um, naval intelligence, um, something called imagery analysis and geospatial. So uh, mapping um, mapping, and uh, pulling different pieces of data together to tell a story. That's kind of how I explain what GeoInt is. Um, right. I ended up moving to DC in 2005 and became a federal contractor um, and served um, various agencies uh, in the DC area, um, supporting the war on terror um, and going after high value targets. Um, about 
I want to say 2008, um, I started a career working for the federal, um, the Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA, um, as a as a contractor, and I actually entered their Directorate of Science and Technology. So um, it was really interesting for me because I ended up working on um, sensitive projects in which we were, you know, looking at technical devices and exploitation. Um, and then moved into more of a uh, specialized career in counterterrorism, human collection. So um, helping with recruitment of sources, uh, going after terrorists and targets. Um, but, you know, throughout this whole process, um, my whole intelligence career, I was exposed to um, just large information gathering systems. So imagine, you know, all the different types of data sources that are out there, you know, there's a different intelligence type in which those informa- that information is collected. So uh, human, human uh, imagery, imint, all of these different ints, you know, there's all these different platforms and systems out there that are collecting information like that around the world. Um, and so that's why I've really been, um, you know, I was amazed to understand that there's a lack of knowledge around that and, in, right. you know, for civilians and the fact that, you know, they think it's like uh, James Bond or <laughs> some of the <laughs> homeland, those um, TV shows out there that that's what, you know, it's about taking out people and uh, killing and things like that. But for me, it's really been a, it's a war on information. Um, and with the digital era, it's even more relevant today than ever. Um, right. So information is being collected by our adversaries all around the world, um, in the United States all the time from every method and every kind of, and that kind of supports the point that a lot of security professionals, um, bring up that we are all involved in a cyber war. Oh yeah. Um, and I mean, if you think about world war two, for an example, when the troops were in combat, everyone participated, Right. Um, whether you were at home, you had your part, whether you were rationing, um, but everyone is a part of the effort and we sort of have the same issue now. Right. Um, and everyone now is a target. Oh, yeah. Of course, we're going to get to that later. Yeah. And, and I've, you know, I've been exposed to systems where, you know, I've seen the type of data that we've collected overseas. Um, and I only imagine that that's happening here um, if, if we're doing that, you know, in other places that we're not, you know, happy with or that we're trying to get information from. Um, and and the, the types of data, it's, it's even, you know, very minute where people would just be like, oh, why would they collect that? You know, but right. when you collect information, little pieces coming come together, it becomes a story. Exactly. You know, exactly. Um, and so for me, like I, with small businesses specifically, like like oh well, my information isn't important, or I only make furniture. You know, I make a chair, so why would my chair be important? You know, um, but one question I ask people is like, well, do you have blueprints or floor plans mm-hmm. to the businesses that you put those chairs in? <laughs> because if you do, guess what? You have information that is valuable to an organization that might have an operation in the United States um, with that right. business. <laughs> so, um, you know, and, and providing that awareness with like, they just don't even think about the concept that, oh, wow, I, I do have valuable information. So, right. I think probably at some point, just about every piece of information could be valuable to somebody for something. Exactly. exactly. Especially you if know, you're like not protecting the data, you know, you, right. you're the low hanging fruit. So. 
I mean, whether it's using you as a leapfrog to attack someone else, I think, yeah, there's something that everyone can be an asset for. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if for nothing else, just harness your CPU and use it to attack somebody else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've, um, I've been in businesses where I've seen um, people or like guests um, walk through sensitive areas um, because, you know, they are showing off their business or maybe it's a showcase or a showroom or something like that, or they're just giving a tour of their, their, in, their business and, you know, workstations aren't locked. Um, uh, there's no type of security around the type of data that might be on those systems um, as they're giving these tours. And, you know, it, I coming from the science and technology for the agency was like, you know, there are devices out there that, can exploit that <laughs> just by a drive-by, right. you know, you walk by and information is taken. Um, right. <laughs> so that's why it's so important that we work together, security and. Oh, definitely. I mean, even I was on a pen test. Um, this was a financial organization. Um, unfortunately, social engineering was out of scope for the test. Mm -hmm. um, but just walking through the lobby, they had uh, d display boards going, um, welcoming new employees to the company. But as an attacker, that's perfect for me. Yeah. I could exploit that call them acting like IT, some kind of password policy, right. and then be in. And that's that's the one of the reasons why we need to work together, because when you step on this side of the world, your mindset changes and you can see something that other people don't see that could be an open attack or a vehicle that could be used to, right. uh, to bring on an attack. So For sure. Yeah, I the thing I fear the most is the human aspect. Because exactly. um, I see a lot in, you know, everywhere, um, on cybersecurity about, um, you know, safeguarding your data, help, how do you protect your infrastructure? But there's not a lot of discussion on the human threat, um, right. or the social engineering aspect, um, especially exploitation from social engineers. Right. Um, you know, we, I, I know that people understand the criminal or the hacktivist reasons, but why would a national actor be doing it and how would they do it is something that I don't really hear a lot of discussion about. So that's kind of where um, I'm, I'm trying to spread my message and talk about the fact that, you know, that threat is very real. And if you're being targeted from a national landscape, you're being targeted definitely by that human aspect. So. So I think that's probably a good segue into some of our talking points um, that we have. Sure. Um, so, one of the first things we wanted to talk about was on focusing on small businesses. So what are some reasons that they would be targeted by national threat actors? Yeah. So one of the reasons, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, sorry. So I, yeah, we see a lot in the news. Um, uh, sometimes I wonder if it's a blame game that, yeah, it was a national threat actor. We couldn't really help it, but well, sure they are increasing. Um, but we always see it focused on large businesses. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So if you could talk about that, why small businesses are a target also. Yeah. So for me, small, the reason why you're being targeted from a national threat actor is because there's some type of information that has been identified as important um, to that national actor. And you may not have the security protocols in place um, or the measures to stop that type of exploitation. So, um, you know, like I said earlier, this is an information war, especially with all of the intelligence agencies. Um, and to understand an intelligence agency, like they're, 
their objective is not to um, take out terrorists, you know, or to go in and blends, you know, guns blazing kind of thing. Their, their real objective is to collect information, all information. Um, and so, you know, they're also trying to influence culture and society of the countries mm-hmm. that um, they've targeted. So, you know, each, each adversary has their own reason of wanting to disrupt behavior in the United States. So think of it from that perspective that there's this large, you know, overarching goal to influence American society. Um, and so your information could be valuable, um, whether, you know, it's small or large, like if you're easy to get to, they're going to target you. Um, and so some of the reasons that I specifically can help people understand that their data is collected is, you know, what industry do you work in or, um, identifying which industries they work in. And then also do you work for a major U S business or do you, are you a vendor to state federal or, um, one of these large, um, U S businesses? Or do you work with a vendor to state or federal? Yeah. So working with vendors to state or federal. So small businesses, um, have, you know, we've seen reports of them being targeted or that access point to larger infrastructure, U S infrastructure, or even a, a large U.S. business like Microsoft or Google. Not saying that that's happened, or you know, I, I can't specifically pull something up and say reference that. But these national actors could use these smaller industries or small businesses to go to uh, through them to get to their their um, main target. So, I was a targeter. My my job was to identify how can I get to my my, my main target, who's the easiest person to get to? Um, and do they have information that could get me to that end game or that end target? Um, so it was like, who's my avenue of access? Who can I exploit to get to that person? Um, right. And I think that's where what every business should consider is that, are you an access point? Do you work with, do you work for, are you working, you know, side by side with one of these industries or, you know, uh, an in a business that may be considered, you know, ha- to have information from the uh, from the U.S. that could be considered important. So, do you mind? Um, sorry to interrupt. Expounding on the industries, are you talk? Are you referring to the sixteen industries of critical infrastructure? Yeah, for sure. So, um, key U.S. infrastructure. Um, you know, there there are collection efforts out there all around the world. Um, I'm sure from our adversaries in which they're trying to understand everything and anything about the United States, anything. I'll give, if you don't mind, I'm gonna give a quick background just so our listeners in case any of them aren't familiar with the 16 industries. Um, so what was it? 1996 when they did the study? I think Um, I don't have that. uh, I'm just going off my head. I can't remember the exact year, but it was around the time of the moonlight maze, the, um, Russian and Chinese um, intrusions into DOD, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so the president commissioned a study to figure out basically what was of value to the attackers. Um, and after about a year and a long half study, um, they identified 16 um, components of critical infrastructure, um, including healthcare, financial, um, the power grid. I can't remember all the rest. Yeah, but, so that's what like we're referring chemical. to. Chemical. Yeah. Commercial, uh, manufacturing, yeah. dams, defense industry, yeah. emergency services, energy, financial, food and agriculture. Food. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. there's six there's a lot. So 
if you work with one of those industries, work for, you know, um, it's likely you could be targeted. Uh, I think there was an attack a couple springs ago by the Russians to the U.S. grid system. They identified it was the Russians. And they ended up going through third-party vendors that had poor security practices to get to that grid. Um, So that's why... Right. I think that's why we're starting to see a lot of talk around third-party management. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great points. And and that's what I'm saying is like you're... Do you have any affiliation? Do you have phone numbers? Do you have contacts? Um, Do you have floor plans? Uh, Email addresses. Email addresses. All of that information is being collected. And um, I think one thing that's surprising when I've, tell, I've told people is that, you know, I think I read a report um, from CNN that there somebody had disclosed that there was like 100,000 agents working in the United States from our adversaries. And that's, hmm. that's pretty alarming. And I can guarantee it's very <laughs> I can guarantee that those agents are not, you know, only on the West and the East Coast. Um, if I were still in the game, I'd be targeting some of this, the, the states that were have these, you know, don't have a robust security practice program. Right, right, right. Or, or initiative. And I would be going after businesses that you could walk into and collect information. So, um, you know, and, and I think that's these sectors are a good place to start is to ask yourself, do I work for, do I work with, am I working right. in one of these industries? Do I have access because they are collecting the information. And it could be even like, it's not like a huge operation. It's just their analyst overseas, you know, plotting information or identifying information and, and storing it away for um, later right. use at another time. Right. And I was going to say, and it's amazing that, you know, here we're talking about this. This is a really a real live war going on, not in a war of sense that we all no one understand for the past, but this is a, an intelligence war. Oh, yeah. And it kind of relates back to like in World War II when there was intelligence gathering and during that time, you know, by the communists and, and, and whatever. But people need to realize that this is actual real nowadays going on. And it, it's easier today to collect the information, oh, yeah. I think. <laughs> you know, all the information's out there. Like you mentioned OSINT, um, open source intelligence earlier. Um with the, with the internet, it's probably even easier to collect information, especially um, right. think about like what data you put out there about yourself too. you know, right. would that information be important in the eyes of somebody else that might want to have access to you. Um, and, and, and so that's, that's like, to your point, you know, this is an information war and it's been hap- it's been going on for a long time. You know, it's, I think it's just m- now more than ever because we're in this digital era, we have to be more conscious of what we're putting out there and how we protect ourselves. I was um, listening to another podcast recently, um, Breach Podcast by Carbonite. I'm not sure if you know no, them. No, I don't. Um, so yeah, Bob Sullivan. Uh, there's a couple of them that co-host that podcast. Um, and they did a... Um, a series on the Equifax breach. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were talking about how so little of that data has showed up on the black market. Everyone's questioning who did it and where did all that information go? Um, And they had a specialist come on and her point is she believes that that was done by national actors for their intelligence databases where they're building, Mm -hmm. trying to get an insight onto us populations, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So kind of 
supports what you're saying that well they might not they're they want to learn as much as they can about us and they might not use it right now Um, exactly and my point is that like there are operations that are happening here every day in the united states and we just don't even know about it they even have um actors that embed themselves in our businesses pretending to be a you know a u.s citizen and working for businesses and their whole goal and objective is to collect information and they have no ties to their service. Um, those are called their, it's called non-official cover, um, a knock. So I, I don't know if you've ever seen a, there's a couple movies out there like the recruit, um, I think with Colin Farrell, um, it's all about knocks and things like that, but they like legitimately these intelligence services will embed people in our businesses and they will, will have no way to identify who they are. So it's not, this is something you can't really prevent. I feel like because they don't even, there's nothing connecting them back to the intelligence service that they're working for. The only thing I think that we can do as Americans is really provide more operational security awareness and security awareness training to be able to pick up um, and identify if they think there's that type of exploitation happening within their businesses, you know, and and making sure you're doing thorough background checks on individuals. Um, Separation of duties, good security practices, data loss prevention, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think so before um, being a security practice, I, I ran my own business um, and I was at an event and um, I, thought, I think it was Dell, a company, Dell was giving a presentation and they had mentioned they were giving a security um, training and they talked about how they had identified somebody they'd fired was sending information to a Chinese address, like just data, data sheets or spreadsheets of data. And, you know, I, I was just like, well, duh. <laughs> You know, <laughs> okay, they're doing that because somehow this person has been uh, recruited or was recruited to give information away. Um, and it might seem very um, benign, whatever they're sending, because it doesn't seem important. But perhaps that data was, you know, really important. And to the whoever, like to your point, uh, collecting information, all types of information, um, they somehow thought that that information was important when they were sending it back to some other service. So, right. So, moving on to um, sort of another topic. So, from your experience, um, what are some of the avenues of access that you see, or we see, or should look for? Yeah. So, I think I've kind of hit on it a little bit earlier. Is just. Um, understanding the importance of the data that you have. So first, you know, building that awareness of like, what content do we actually hold? What do we create? What do we make? Um, Having that awareness and then understanding of like, okay, my data is valuable or could be valuable because I do work with, you know, an important company in the United States or I do have operations overseas or um, I do uh, work in one of these critical sectors. So understanding that you have that um, connection could help you understand that you are an avenue of access or, or, hey, we don't have any security around any of our data. We don't even think of our data. We don't categorize it. We don't classify it. 
um, that's those are reasons that you would be an avenue of access. Um, holding blueprints, floor plans of facilities around the world or um, within the United States could you could become a target um, based off of, based off of the the type of data you have. So it really just boils right. down to like understanding that um, the data you hold and then am I a potential access point to any any threat actor? So whether it's national or hacktivist or criminal. And I think kind of along the same lines is uh, one misunderstanding sometimes is that it's not just um, organizations that deal with national security. Um, we've seen over the last 10, 15 years or so, an increase in industrial espionage mm-hmm. from um, countries um, that are trying to break into certain industries or um, improve certain industries with their own organization, I mean, with their own borders, and their uh, security, either security mm-hmm. pawns who are uh, attacking organizations, work with the industries um, to find and exfiltrate those um, that industrial secrets to their own countries. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that's often overlooked in all the intellectual this too. property. Like, what are you creating? Exactly. Um, like, uh, you know, uh, space exploration. There's a lot of companies doing things like that, or um, just like healthcare. Even um, some of the technologies that are coming out with healthcare and the biometrics, or um, some of the um, the new things that are coming out, and you know, emerging technologies. Right. Um, Cisco. I mean, even industries you don't think about. Yeah. Um, uh, what's his name? Robert. I forgot. I can't think of his last name. He was the former head of security consulting for the White House. He um, he gave a talk at. Um, uh, so he was given a, talking about uh, talking about this, um, and he gave an example of a uh, windmill organization or company manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a multi hundred million dollar contract with a Chinese company. I hate to mention mm-hmm. names, but. Um, the so then the organization had a data breach and within a few weeks their contract was canceled and a chinese company manufactured all of those parts wow. for them yeah hmm. yeah definitely for i think monetary gains as well like um you know right. we, they're these you know our adversaries are trying to be better than the united states you know and um right. What can we? What can they do to advance their culture versus ours, or their society versus ours, and and or disrupt you know um, growth in our country? So those would be also reasons why you would want to exploit. <laughs> so Robert Morris, that's who it was. So okay, so on to another topic we wanted to discuss was um, companies that have. Um, international business partners or work with companies internationally. Um, so what kind of things should they be aware of? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, aside from, of course, governance and compliance, that introduces a whole other spectrum yeah. of compliance. But from a security, your side, the security. Right. So um, one thing, a couple of things I would think about is that because we know that, you now know that these actors, these national actors are exploiting American citizens everywhere in the United States, but especially if you're traveling overseas um, and you're going into some of these countries that would be considered adversaries of the United States. So um, the ones I can think of off the top of my head, and there's, there's quite a few on our um, threat 
threat lists that are out there. Um, but, you know, China, North Korea, uh, Russia, Iran, um, Syria are just to name a few countries that or any country that allies right, with them. or any country that allies with them is that, you know, if you're traveling to one of these destinations or a country that is a th- an ally with with them, there could be operations in those countries in which they are exploiting Americans. So they're collecting information on Americans as they travel. Um, even like I, I was talking to someone where he had mentioned that his son was over in Russia at St. Petersburg and um, he went to go visit. And I was just like, well, I'm really glad that I wasn't your contact at that point because he had also proceeded to tell me that he used the Wi-Fi at the hotel. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, well, you know, everything that you have. Probably not on a VPN. Everything that you have on your phone and or devices has probably been collected because he did tell me that he took his computer and his, his cell phone there. Um, yeah. And I'm just like, you didn't bring a burner phone. You know, um, I, I had to ask permission to go to countries when I traveled and get approval. But even if I were, you know, I did go to like, I've been to Asia. And when I went to Asia, um, I went to Vietnam and I had to get, um, I couldn't bring any digital when I went. So I have no record, like pictures or anything like that. Even like my camera, I wasn't even allowed to bring because it had, um, a digital aspect to it. So um, right. just understanding the, that if you're traveling in some of these countries that you will, they are collecting your information, even if you don't, you right. don't think you're important, you know, at all. Um, you're an American traveling in their country and that's their job is to collect information on Americans. Um, so there's a couple, um, resources that I would actually reference for international travel, um, the first is the State Department. Department of State has a travel alerts and tips page. Um, it'll tell you what countries are considered high-level threats. Um, that's a good place to start to understand and gauge um, what's happening in that, that country, the, the political climate. Is it safe for you to even to travel? And if it's not, I mean, they'll give you tips on um, what to do while you're there. And then Another place for travel tips for business, um, for anybody traveling on business or have that have devices or media, um, is the Office of Director of National Intelligence um, (DNI). It has a travel a travel tip section, um, and it's there's a whole like two pages of information about kind of protecting yourself digitally um, and understanding kind of what type of exploitation that could happen to you while you're um, in some of these countries. Um, but those were two great places that I would start um, if you're thinking about or you're doing any type of business overseas. <clears throat> and then also, you know, just knowing the relationship between the United States and some of the countries that you're traveling in. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And we'll provide sh- uh, links to all of those in the show notes for our oh. listeners in case they're Definitely. interested. Um. So uh, that's a good reference. Um, are there any other references that you recommend for um, this entire uh, subject? Uh, overall, the whole um, conversation. Yeah. I mean, there's also like, you know, just I think, like I said, security awareness training, um, op- understanding what operational security is um, and 
just providing like a, um, awareness and training uh, around all all of data and what how data could be used or exploited. So understanding your sensitive data, right? Yeah, um, right. And, and do you know what do, does your audience know what operational security is? I'm sure probably. I'm I'm not sure. It wouldn't yeah, hurt to expound. I mean, we understand. But. <laughs> um, and it's probably um, in my my old world and in, in the military something that we talked about all the time. But um, you know, operational security is having your employees and the people in your business understanding like where your sensitive data is, um, what identifying possible threats, um, understanding like the security holes and other vulnerabilities that you could have around your data and then applying um, levels of risk and um, associated with every vulnerability and then having the countermeasures in place um, to mitigate threat. So um, right. just having that overall operational security mindset with your operations in general, like uh, how you work and interact um, with your, with your uh, employees and, and your um other businesses or uh, whoever you're going after, you know, just having that information um, in place is really important. And along those lines, to do that, it's a user awareness training is super important also for them to be able to understand what's important. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I would, I would recommend, and I think you talked about this, um, is just how, or I think you put out a post or something on security awareness training, but I would say that that's the most important thing that a business could do is having security exactly. awareness training and having a really robust, um, program. So it was at no, no before that you interviewed. Yeah. Right. So yes. they right. have yeah, a great, Carpenter. um, uh, you know, security modules and, and access to information. But, but going a step further besides is also just developing a roadmap for your employees, um, mm -hmm. hitting on key subjects that you would want to cover um, so for your employees to have extra training. So, you know, it's not something that just happens once a year or twice a year, but an on, ongoing right. continuous exactly. educational program right. on the threats that are out there. And so that, it, that way it stays fresh in your employees or um, in their mind or who your business is mind so that they are constantly thinking about protecting their data and having that operational security awareness around them at all times. That's, that's, it's good that you said that. And I was going to make that point as well, because a lot of organizations, they'll bring it in one time mm -hmm. or annually, and it's not a part of their culture or it's not a part of their um, standard practices. And that's what happens when you don't bring that in and talk about it on a daily basis or a weekly basis, you lose touch with it. So it's an annual thing that you have to go through. And that's the mindset that a lot of businesses or employees may take. Oh, it's an annual thing. Let me finish this as a checklist or a task, but it's not really in, ingrained yeah. in your culture. And that's where yeah, it needs they, to be. It needs to be part of your everyday yeah, business practices. Yeah, they need practices. to live it, right? They need to know at all times right. like that this right. is important and that this this if this information, if it were compromised, could really hurt my business. Like um, right. some best practices around OPSEC, it would be like, you know, restrict access to network devices using authentication measures, but also like employees understanding, like, do they have a need to know, you know, that need to know basis right. Do they need to know the information. Um, and then, you know, not sharing that information. Cause I think it's really easy 
to for that information to be exploited, especially if if they don't understand how they're being exploited, um, right. especially from the human aspect. So um, we talked a little bit about human in social engineering, but um, social like something to understand about social engineering from a national perspective is if you're being exploited that way, it's it's going even deeper in the sense of um, these threat actors will try to understand you as an individual, if they've identified you as a target, and they'll want to know, is this person financially motivated to give me information? Or is this person ideologically motivated? So, you know, do they hate their regime or their their country so much or the administration that's in place that they'd be willing to give us information? Um, so providing that awareness that these are the types of ways that people are exploited <laughs> or by these national mm-hmm. actors right. is really important too. Right, right. Or even in casual conversation, um, I don't know how much on a national level this happens, but I know from a social engineering perspective, um, you can exploit information without them even knowing it. Um, Over the course of a conversation, you can get several valuable pieces of information. Definitely. I mean, and and these are like these intelligence services are sophisticated. Like they psychologically can manipulate people to giving them information in the sense of, um, you know, going back to that avenue of access, like, you know, they could pretend to be your best friend or have a common interest with you um, and, exactly. and share this interest and, and they'll take time. But that that's the difference between, <laughs> I think, criminal versus uh, uh, nationals that they, they have all the time in the world to um, gain your trust um, and to right. take nuggets of information um, because it's some, it's you know, it's you've been identified as somebody that could give them the information they need. So we were we're talking about yeah, data. Um, what type of data that are um, that it's exploited? And we have been touching on a lot of different types. You had mentioned blueprints and um, other type of data. Um, so to answer your question, all data, all data is collected. <laughs> um, but the types of data. I mean, do you like anything that could be geolocated mm-hmm. reference geo geo um, like any type of addresses, um, uh, intellectual property like things that would be considered intellectual property or sensitive in the hands of someone else, um, which, which I would say is everything. <laughs> everything, right? Your, I mean, contacts, names, um, you name it. Like any any data that has what interests you. That, yeah, it has like ties back to those uh, state, federal um, contracts or um, industries, the 16 industries. Um, it's really like, um, you know, I hate to say it, but it does almost all types of data could be collected. So um, just I think that's why you just have to I, I think I would recommend that companies sit down and go through their data and classify it you know, apply classification me- measures around their data because that's going to help them identify how critical that information could be in the hands of an adversary um, from criminal or, you know, hacktivist to national exploitation um, is just really like understanding that. And then also who are who do you have access to, you know, um, understanding that type of data. So like, for instance, an, an example of that is um, we had a, 
an instance where we had a client who they, they, they create something very specific to the government and um, which would be highly sensitive, I think. Um, and just understanding that like I, we now work with them or we are, we have a relationship with them. So um, that's, that would be considered an access point, you know, the fact that we have this relationship. So we could be considered, you know, um, a, a way to get to that, that industry. So it's like um, looking at your relationships from a business perspective. Um, do those relationships give you access or give, could give somebody access to information that is looking for it, <laughs> you know? Um but devices are all devices can be exploited Um, and people people are them i think i've read a lot of reports saying that people are the the number one reason that that breaches happen that's correct (laughs) so and i I hate to keep harping on it but there's so much information people share that they don't even realize it's valuable um i mean from an attacker perspective when i'm doing a pen test i'm going to start Scraping your websites, looking for um, words you use. Um, I'm going to look mm-hmm. at your employee social media. I'm going to look at teams you root for, restaurants you like, et cetera, because any of that could be maybe you're using parts of that in your passwords, et cetera, that I can use to attack you. So, Yeah, so a pen tester is a targeter too. <laughs> so they're essentially gathering as much info, all the intel to be able to go after their, their intel, like their final target. You know, right, how so do we they can kind of relate. Yeah, definitely. I, I think um, our words are just different. <laughs> but right. I actually was giving a, a speech on um, my background and um, somebody asked, it was right when I first got out and they asked me about social engineering and had never heard the term. And I was like, what, you mean espionage? Like spying? Like that was my, <laughs> that's how I translated it. I was like, oh, well, I call that spying, not not social engineering, not realizing that that was the civilian term. <laughs> so. But I would start with a human, okay. human aspect. Okay. So. so, and then to be super practical for our listeners, what are the top three to five, whatever number you want, um, threat actors that you think SME should, small and medium enterprises should look out for? Yeah. Um, the, adv- the adversaries that we care about the most, obviously, Iran, China, Russia, um, I would even say like Cuba, Syria, um, many of those, you know, and I don't mean to call out countries or anything like that, but the, the reality is that these are not our friends. Right, right. Um, the the Uni- United States does not consider them um, having a good relationship with these, these countries. So um, Iraq as well, but um, there are efforts from these countries in which they are actively exploiting um, information in our in our borders. Um, I have a good example, actually, of, of one from a friend who he talked to me about this story in which um, he worked with a, biz- a small business who made a tool for the Navy. Uh, I don't know if it was the Navy or I think it was the Navy. Um, that was um, a tool that went onto a special system called SIGINT, so signals, intelligence, right. uh, frequencies, things like that, cryptology. Um, they made this tool that went on a ship, and they had the blueprint of uh, the of these ships. Mm. And 
didn't protect, like, you know, he had warned them, like, hey, you need to have some measures around protecting your data and mitigating threat. And they were just like, you know, we make this little tool, this part, right? Like, we don't, it's not important. Um, They ended up being exploited by the Chinese and DOD came down on them and they're out of business um, just because, like, they had had those blueprints of those ships now are in the hands of our adversary, you know? So, um, just an example of a small business being taken out, you know, taken out completely by not safeguarding their data when they easily could have done that, you know? So. So I think the last question we have for you, um, of course you can expound on anything else you want to. Our last question is, so as members of the InfoSec community, um, what should we be doing? What do you see? we need to improve in? Yeah. Um, I honestly, having this conversation today about human, human intelligence, um, and human, human exploitation, um, that understanding that from a national perspective, that is it's, if you're being targeted by these actors, that that is also that social engineering piece is happening. Mm. You have to assume it. It's not happening just within your infrastructure and right. through cyber. Um, it's happening via conversations, via re- relationship building. That purse, that pen, pen tester, or that that national actor, which you know is a spy undercover, they're collecting information actively against you. Um, so have that that awareness that this is going to happen, and then. Um, protecting your data, classifying your data, making that a priority, um, understanding who your, your relationships, um, those would be the things that I would really hone in on and talk to people about is that, you know, we talk about all the, uh, the infrastructure piece a lot, uh, and it's important to have those measures in place and the tool, the right tools, the right, um, systems in place, but the human aspect is really the one that worries me the most because I don't think there's a lot of conversation as much conversation as there should be on the, the human exploitation piece. I think that's sorry. Oh no, I'm sorry. (laughs) I was going to, I was just going to say, I think that's sort of the um, consensus that a lot of people are coming to. That's exactly right. Um, I even saw, uh, or, you know, Chris Roberts, uh, pretty famous, uh, security hacker at, um, is it a veto? Um, mm-hmm. he just gave a speech at black hat. Um, and basically his keynote was we have something like 3000 companies in the U S that provide security software tools of some kind or another. And yet we're still having like mega data breaches faster than ever. Yep. Um, and his yeah. point was we've got to change our tactics. Sure. We need infrastructure security, but we really need to start focusing on the human side of things, That's training right. people. Um, which I totally agree yeah. with. I mean, I saw some statistics. Uh, we talk about this somewhat frequently from Know Before that around 97% of attacks involve social engineering, which... Oh, yeah. So one argument we make to small businesses is that's one of the best um, return on investments you can get to train your employees to be your eyes and ears looking out, helping your security team if you even have one. So Definitely. So Yeah, yeah I totally 100%. agree with you. Want, you have that road, that security awareness roadmap, you know, have a robust infrastructure and create, like you said, create the culture of security in which everybody in the business understands the value of every, like 
they, what, you know, what type of data that they hold and that if it were in the hands of somebody else, you know, whether it's for um, profit or intellectual property or national activism, like to understand the value of that data and that they, they have, they actually have the keys to the kingdom, you know, these people, people do. So, um, understanding like the relationships, the data you have, all of that is just under and, and realizing that you are being exploited always. Um, the human way is probably, I think the best thing that, um, the InfoSec community could do to protect themselves. So unless you have any other talking points, um, we'll let you, um, give a shout out to yourself where people can find you. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, feel free to reach me on LinkedIn. Um, I, I do have social, but um, not too active on all of it, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> and I definitely don't share too much. I do I do put a lot of information out there on my LinkedIn profile. So feel free to send me a DM on LinkedIn if you'd like to reach out or to talk to me. Um, but uh, really excited to be help, you know, in the small business community and uh, with MSSPs out there and help providing that awareness. Um, i belong to a great company called New Wave Technology Partners, um, and they have security at the front of their mind and um, are really doing some great things out there. So uh, looking for partnerships and vendors and would love to hear more from people out there. So thank you for having me on. It's, it's been a pleasure. And we'll provide a link to your organization's website in the show notes in case anyone is in your area looking for your services too. Awesome. Thank you, gentlemen. I really appreciate it. It was a good time. Thank you. We really appreciate it as well. It's always um, valuable and insightful to talk to someone with uh, that's had the same like mind as you do. So <laughs> we appreciate yeah, your time. Definitely. Yeah, and we're all about helping America. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah, thanks. And that's the SMB Cybercast podcast. Thank you again for listening. Please check out our other white papers, roadmaps, and webcasts at www.cyberx.tech resources and our blog at www.cyberx.tech blog. We have lots of guides and roadmaps to help you improve your cybersecurity program. Go check us out, and we'll see you next episode.